to introduce Roger Shimamura for the first of his series of presentations today on our campus as this year's Eric Yake Kanegi Visiting Artist. Uh, Mr. Shimamura taught for more than 30 years at the University of Kansas, retiring in 2004. And the list of his accomplishments is too long to outline here, but I think it's important to mention a few just to give you an idea of the impact that he has had on the art world. Included in his grants, he's received uh, four are from the National Endowment for the Arts, and in 2003, another came from the Joan Mitchell Foundation. His work is in the Whitney Museum of American Art and the Smithsonian Institution. The Archives of American Art at the Smithsonian is also collecting his personal papers. In 2001, the College Art Association gave him the Artist Award for Most Distinguished Body of Work, and two years later, he gave the keynote address to that association's national conference. These, of course, are the institutions at the very highest level of the American art world. I'm on sabbatical this year, uh, and so I'm not on campus much, but this is an event uh, that I would not dream of missing. I had the chance to hear Mr. Shimomura in 1995, and I was touched both by what I saw and what I heard. What I remember most clearly from that time uh, was the process that he took us, the audience, through of seeing complexity emerge uh, from what seemed simple at first in his images and in his words. As you will see, it's easy to look at the seemingly familiar forms at first, but they quickly began to change. As I experienced that transformation, it became more difficult to figure out who I identified with in the image. The world has changed since I first heard Mr. Shimomura. Questions about who and how many people we as a, as a society are willing to risk treating unjustly in order to protect, um, to protect, I guess we would say the majority, uh, depends a lot on whether you are sure you are safely in that majority and not one of those who will be at risk. Roger Shimomura's central issues seem to me even more important than they were when I first heard him. Uh, after, uh, after Mr. Shimomura's presentation, there will be uh, announcements about continuing events throughout the day for people who are interested. The endowment that supports this presentation, um, one in a series of annual lectures, uh, came after the death 20 years ago of a Goshen College student named Derek Kanegi. To honor him, his family wanted to find a way to nourish and celebrate the rich texture of life. Uh, as we benefit from that gift now, it's probably worth pausing to catch our breath and remember both sorrow and the life that grows out of it. Please join me in welcoming uh, Roger Shimomura. Thanks, Meryl, for that nice introduction. Um, my talk today is uh, sort of an expanded version of the talk that I'm going to give tonight, which will be about the, the full breadth of uh, my work. But um, what I want to do in the next 30 minutes is, is to sort of expand upon uh, stereotyping of Asian and Asian American people. And I'm going to show you uh, um, some examples of some of the paintings that I've done that has directly addressed that topic. And uh, I also want to tell a few stories about them. Uh, I'm a, a, a collector. I've been a collector all my life of objects. And, and again, this evening, I'm going to show you some 
photographs of some of those things that I've collected and, and try to make a case for how they've affected the imagery uh, of my paintings. But I'm also a collector currently of stereotypes from World War II. And uh, that's what I want to show you some examples of uh, this morning. And uh, I'm going to just start right now with a series of, uh, or one example out of a series of paintings I did that was called Stereotypes and Admonitions. And there were 30 um, rather small paintings uh, that were my responses from various uh, incidents of racism that I've experienced throughout my entire life. And they also cover some incidents of uh, national importance that have happened to the Asian American uh, community uh, over the years. And the first one that I want to uh, show you from this series is called the Iran Hostage Crisis. And I'm sure that you all remember that in 1987. And I want to read you the, um, each painting is accompanied with uh, some text. Uh, this is uh, the Iran hostage crisis. During the Iran hostage crisis of 1987, I was jogging on a county road approximately a mile from my house when a pickup truck carrying two men approached. When the truck came within 50 feet, it suddenly veered towards me, causing me to jump into the gully beside the road. As I leapt from the road, the driver of the truck leaned out of the window and flipped me his middle finger as he went speeding off, screaming, that's for your Ayatollah, you Chinaman. So this is a, a reason I show you is that this is a great example of a person that, out of anger, couldn't even get his stereotyping correct. What the Ayatollah had to do with me, I wasn't sure. And uh, I'm Japanese, not Chinese. Okay, I want to uh, start out by showing you uh, a few examples of uh, some of the things in my collection. Uh, first of all, giving you just this very rapid overview of uh, stereotyping that goes beyond my particular interests uh, of Asian and Asian Americans. This, this was an illustration relate, related to an article on African Americans during the 1950s. And uh, of course, you've probably all seen these, the stereotypes of the, uh, the Mexican, the lazy Mexican, so to speak, uh, the salt and pepper shakers, uh, always uh, taking a siesta. And uh, this is a postcard uh, with a joke at the expense of Native Americans. And the uh, next few images will focus upon Chinese stereo, uh, stereotypes on, on uh, uh, various uh, forms of media. This particular grouping uh, are postcards of uh, Chinese and Chinese-American stereotypes. Uh, this is a song sheet, uh, uses the word Chinaman, that is considered a uh, uh, a racist term by the Chinese community, and the words Ching Ching, and, uh, and of course, this is uh, Lon Chaney, uh, uh, who of course is Caucasian in yellow face, and, and we see this still going on today. Uh, David Carradine, I saw just the other day uh, as an example of someone that has made his career upon 
uh, being a white person wearing yellow face. It's the term chink, which is probably the most vile word among uh, Chinese people used in a Valentine's card. And a, this is a version of the Chinese makeup kit, which was uh, very popular in the 50s. Uh, around Halloween time, it seems like uh, these kits would uh, begin emerging in all the stores. And then I have this collection. Uh, it's actually a huge collection. This is probably uh, only about a half, half of it, of masks that depicts Chinese people primarily. Uh, except for that one in the lower left-hand corner of myself taken years ago that I used in one of my performances. Um, but these are, are depictions mainly of Chinese people and uh, of the slanted eyes, yellow skin, buck teeth, uh, and going back to the, I think, 1920s, or some of the earliest ones. Although I have to say that the mask that's the top row, third from the right, uh, was just, I, I just bought this recently, uh, or not recently, I'd say about a year and a half ago uh, from a gift shop in New Orleans, so uh, they're still manufacturing these. Uh, this is part of my uh, salt and pepper shaker collection of Asian people, uh, or, or uh, I should say oriental people as they're called on eBay. These, are, these were all purchased on eBay. And I started this collection probably about um, four years ago, and, and I've accumulated close to 400 pairs of, of these salt and pepper shakers. And what's interesting, well, again, most of them are depictions of Chinese people, but what's interesting is that these were all made in Japan. These are uh, some of the ceramic ware. Uh, some of you older people might remember the glasses uh, or, or containers that drinks were served in a, at a restaurant bar called Trader Vic's. Now those uh, containers have become collectibles. Uh, here's a, uh, an image from a 1942 uh, issue of Collier's Magazine, which was quite famous back then. This is a, another magazine, which I, uh, I kind of enjoyed this because of the reference to the mask there. This is a song sheet. And, and if, if uh, I'm sure a lot of you have had experience with eBay and, and picking out keywords, uh, it's interesting because there are a lot of things that rhyme with the word Jap. And, and so I have in my bookmark slap a jap, rap a jap, map a jap. You know, uh, there, there are about uh, ten words I think that rhyme with jap, all of which lead you to things like this. Uh, movie posters of that time period, and these are called patriotics or caches, and these were envelopes pre-printed with these images on it, and you could use for whatever kind of correspondence uh, you wanted to have with people. I have about a hundred of these, uh, and each one is different. These are postcards uh, directly related to Japanese people. Uh, 
And this, uh, these are two postcards from, uh, I, I believe I have them all now. I think there are eight of these, eight variations of these. And it was obvious that they had done this probably in one session where they moved the dog around and had newspapers and, you know, spittoons and, and so on. Uh, this is one of the rhymes, slap that jap, or slap a jap club card. Uh, the bottom is actually a greeting card. Uh, additional theme was that of the Japanese male being particularly threatening to uh, white American women. Rape, torture, kill is another variation of that. And um, I think one of the, the most poignant parts of the collection, these Jap hunting licenses, and these were uh, available at your local hardware store, grocery store, uh, uh, laundry. You just pick these up and, and you put your name on it uh, and you're certified to, uh, uh, well, in this case, uh, this is to certify that blank is entitled to hunt the Japanese rat. And, uh, well, you can read that yourself. Uh, I don't know how many variations of these uh, hunting licenses there are. I've got maybe about between 40 and 50 right now. It's one of those things that uh, it's almost difficult to find two alike when they do come up. So uh, it leads me to believe that, you know, there's uh, an amazing amount of variations of this. And this is uh, a painting that I did uh, about three years ago on the outset, onset of uh, working with stereotypes. This is called 83 Dirty Japs. And um, of course, there are 84 squares here. And, and uh, in the middle uh, is one of myself sort of mimicking uh, what everyone used to do uh, during the war to imitate a, the appearance of a, uh, a Japanese person the slanted eyes and buck teeth. Uh, these images in this painting were uh, right out of my collections. Uh, none of them are made up nor invented by me. And I could probably do four or five more paintings uh, and not repeat myself. Time Magazine, uh, back in the 40s, uh, directly address the, uh, this topic about America's inability to distinguish between ja Japanese and Chinese people. And of course, this was a pretty hot topic at the time because the Chinese were considered to be uh, not your enemy, but the Japanese were. And so the question was, how do you tell the difference? And so Time Magazine came out with probably the most interesting standard, uh, which is just incredibly absurd, and I won't Time doesn't permit me to uh, go into these, but um, time was not the only one. There was uh, Terry uh, or Milton Caniff, who uh, was the cartoonist of Terry and the Pirates, came out with his version of uh, how to spot a Jap. In, in the lower right-hand corner is an interesting one. You may find Japs among any Oriental civilian group um, Make your man walk. The Chinese strides, the Jap shuffles, but he may be clever enough to fake 
the stride, make him remove his socks and shoes, if any. You know, it's amazing. This was the uh, second page of that. <clears throat> and this is a, a painting I did um, called Yellow Rat Bastard, or How to Tell the Difference Between the Japanese and Chinese. And uh, on the left is a portrait of uh, one of my colleagues at the University of Kansas when I was teaching painting. And he was born in San Francisco, Chinatown. Uh, and on the right, of course, is myself. And Norman on the left, uh, being Chinese-American, is married to a Japanese-American woman who was in the upper right-hand corner of that left painting, who was studying Tai Chi at the time, which is Chinese. And my point is that, you know, this, despite this, this kind of map that suggests the difference between the two, it gets very confusing very quickly. Uh, Norman's children are half Japanese and half Chinese. And so his daughter, uh, wearing the mortarboard there, is ho holding a sushi in one hand and a bao, a Chinese bun, in the other. <coughs> and then he's surrounded by various uh, uh, icons of, ch of Chinese culture, such as uh, Mao Zedong and uh, Bruce Lee. And on the right is myself, and my three children, who are 100% Japanese uh, in blood. But <clears throat> my current wife is blonde, which really confuses things. And um, my son is married to a Filipino-American woman, so my granddaughter, grandson, is uh, half Filipino, half Japanese. Uh, my contention in these two paintings is that the way you could really tell the difference is that Norman is holding a pair of Chinese chopsticks that are much longer and blunt on the end, <clears throat> and um, is holding a piece of long grain rice and I, on the right, hold Japanese chopsticks that are shorter, more pointed, holding a, a kernel of short grain rice. Yellow Rat Bastard, in the middle, is the name of a men's clothing store in New York City that's uh, there today on, on Broadway in Soho. Um, amazingly, Yellow Rat Bastard was, a, was a, a, a term that was used during World War II when referring to the Japanese enemy. And what's, what's really interesting for me is when I saw this store, I mean, I couldn't believe it, and I immediately went into the store, and it was filled with Japanese tourists. And from that point on, I started noticing around New York and that part of the area, Japanese tourists carrying this shopping bag around, having no idea of the significance of that term, that it was really made in reference to their parents or grandparents during, during the war. So cultural memory is an important part of a lot of these uh, insensitivities or lack of cultural memory. Uh, this is a, a famous postcard that came out in the early 1900s uh, and it's titled A Little Jap, but this is clearly a Chinese person uh, in Chinese costume, the hat, the shoes, everything about it is Chinese, but he's called A Little Jap. Uh, this is a piece I did uh, several years ago called 24 People for Whom I've Been Mistaken. Uh, 
And uh, since the claim is that all Asian people look alike, uh, I decided to do this piece that actually illustrates people uh, that I have been mistaken for, which include uh, two white guys and one Chinese woman. Uh, this is another painting out of the Stereotypes and Admonition series called, and this painting is called, I Know a Japanese. Um, and I'll, in 1974, at the opening reception of Roger's show at Washburn University in Topeka, he gave a slide lecture on his work. A woman was sitting in the front row during the talk and asked several questions about his paintings. She came up to Roger after the lecture and asked him what part of Japan he said he was from because she knew someone that was from that country. So, uh, you know, again, the, the point of this was that those stereotypes are uh, indelibly registered and uh, despite after lecturing for one hour about this very topic, um, she still saw me as being a foreigner to this country. And, and, and the absurdity of thinking that I might know her friend from you know, Japan. Uh, this is uh, another painting um, called Florence, South Carolina that was out of that series. And uh, I lost my cursor here. I'll have to go to this one. In uh, 1969, after graduating from Syracuse University, Roger and his first wife visited their good friend Alvin in Florence, South Carolina. Alvin's mother threw a dinner party for her friends and relatives, all longtime residents of Florence. The purpose of the party was for everyone to meet Alvin's friends from Japan. Despite Roger and his wife's repeated insistence that they were Americans who happened to be of Japanese descent. During pre-dinner cocktails, Roger was introduced to Fran, a favorite aunt of Alvin's. Fran was a school teacher and a college graduate and was often referred to as the intellect of the family. As introductory pleasantries were being exchanged, Fran asked Roger again in very crisp English what his name was. After Roger repeated his first name, Fran commented very slowly so as not to be misunderstood well, I guess my name sounds as weird to you as yours does to me. So um, I did a series of paintings of myself as that uh, eternal foreigner here based upon the notion that uh, if you look Asian, you are presumed to be uh, a foreigner. So in this case, uh, I depicted myself as one of those uh, foreigners. Uh, these uh, paintings, by the way, are all acrylic on canvas, and uh, this one is five by six feet, so that's about the actual size that you're looking at there. This is from a recent exhibition called Wannabes, Gotabes, and Gonabes. And uh, these were, uh, I did, I think, 14 or 15 paintings of myself. They were all self-portraits in uh, depictions or costumes of, of Japanese people. This is a gotta be in that a, a, an Asian face that happens to be my own implies that that person's gotta be a foreigner. Uh, 
This is carried to an extreme as myself as Astro Boy and myself as Sailor Moon. <laughs> this painting scares a lot of my friends. And myself as a, a Japanese superhero among the family of uh, Japanese manga superheroes. Uh, this is an ex a target from World War II, and when I was in the military service stationed in Korea, um, we actually used to shoot at these targets, and uh, they used to get, they gave me the nickname as Pop-Up because these targets would pop up. Okay, this is another painting out of the uh, Stereotypes and Admonition series. In 1978, Roger dated a Swedish-American girl named Jan Johnson. Jan lived in West Seattle, an area known to be hostile to people of color. One evening while Roger was driving Jan home, she told him to drop her off one block from her house. When Roger asked why, she told him that when she informed her parents that she was going out to dinner with Roger Shimomura, her father said he did not want her dating oriental people. If she did and he caught her, he said he would shoot the Jap with his gun like he had done during World War II. While she argued with her parents, her father got out his shotgun, loaded it, and placed it next to the front door and said, you think I'm kidding? Now, um, these next few images come from uh, more current times, uh, and, and I just want to make a case for the fact that these images come back, continue to come back today. Um, and this example of the, the continued uh, popularity of uh, uh, Fu Manchu, again, white man in yellow face, and, and so-called theatrical disguises, and, and this was just recently uh, purchased when I went to uh, Edinburgh, Scotland. Uh, and this is an episode out of the Munsters on TV, in this case, Herman Munster in yellow face. And this was bought right in Lawrence, Kansas, where I live at a local fun and game store. Chop Suey Specs. And this was a book written by the comedian Steve Allen, which uh, mocks the Chinese language. And this was a, uh, an ad that was in the newspaper uh, during the time that the U.S. auto industry was failing so badly in the Detroit area. And uh, a bumper sticker that I purchased at uh, Walmart And this is Vincent Chin, who um, was killed by, well, let me show you the painting that I did about. I'm just about through. I know I'm running a little short on time. Uh, in 1982, while attending his bachelor party at a suburban Detroit strip club, Chinese-American Vincent Chin was lured into an altercation with Ron Evans and his stepson, Michael Nitz, two white auto workers who blamed him for the ailing U.S. auto industry and the consequential loss of jobs. Now, Vincent Chin was a Chinese-American. He was a citizen of this country, Chinese parents. It's because of you little motherfuckers that were out of work, witnesses recalled hearing. The violence escalated and the two auto workers bashed Vincent head, Chin's head with a baseball bat, killing him. Evans and Nitz pled guilty and received a sentence of three years probation and a $3,000 fine. 
Judge Charles Kaufman reasoned that Evans and Nitz did not have criminal records and were not likely to violate the terms of their parole. Later, the judgment was appealed, but the respective juries acquitted each of them. Neither served any jail time for that crime. Vincent Chin's mother, totally disheartened, left the U.S. and returned to her native village in China. Uh, this is a, a recent internet cartoon that came out, Mr. Wong, and it's, uh, Mr. Wong has a collar around his neck and, and a chain, and the chain is kept by this uh, tall brunette, a Caucasian woman that jerks him around, and, and he is her manservant. And he walks around saying all these uh, self-deprecating comments about being Chinese. And so I did this, this painting. And uh, this is a book that just came out recently, Dr. Seuss Goes to War. I don't know if you're aware of it, but Dr. Seuss used to do political cartoons during World War II. And uh, his cartoons are all being republished here. And this was the uh, first day issue stamp that came out to commemorate that. So, you know, here we have uh, one of the stereotypes that Dr. Seuss drew back in the 1940s next to the cat in the hat. And of course, this is supposed to have appeal today to children. And there's been absolutely no disclaimer on, on the racism that's involved here. And this is one of the cartoons or drawings in the book. And here we have loyal Japanese Americans all looking to Japan, waiting for instructions during World War II. And so, again, um, you know, these are, are being distributed and quite popular in sales. This is a painting that I did in response to that. Uh, this is called The Return of Dr. Seuss that shows me next to the cat in the hat. And the last painting I'd like to share with you from this series is called Not Pearl Harbor. And uh, I'll read you the story that accompanies that. Since the horrible tragedy of September 11, 2001, comparisons have been made to the 1941 attack on Pearl Harbor. For many reasons, this comparison has made millions of Japanese Americans anxious, reminding them of the injustice of their wrongful internment during World War II. Today, many members of the Islamic religion, Arab Americans, Middle Eastern Americans, and anyone who looks like them encountered similar intimidation, violence, and racial profiling. This painting depicts the face of the World War II Japanese enemy stereotype, now, now bearded and turbaned as the stereotypical terrorist. In the background, a Japanese Zero bomber in place of the American airline plane crashes towards the ground. My intention in this painting was to suggest that despite the well-known injustices levied towards Asian Americans and other people of color in this country, the potential to repeat these mistakes is uh, clearly in evidence. So I'd like to close by saying that stereotyping, even when done in jest, uh, such as the uh, comedian Borat and his anti-Semitic and misogynist jokes, are painful for, uh, to those who are victimized and, and tend to erase uh, and or forget the lessons that we've taken so long to learn in this country. Thank you.
I'd like to invite all of you to the uh, lecture this evening at 7 o'clock in Wreath Recital Hall. Um, Roger will be speaking again, and the title for that is An American Diary. Immediately afterwards, there's a reception that you're all invited to. If you come a little early or you stay for the reception, you'll have an opportunity to see his exhibit in the Hirschberger Gallery. For those of you that are students here, we also have a couple events during the day. Um, from 11.30 until 1, uh, you're welcome to come and, and join the art faculty and Roger for lunch in Westlawn Lounge. And then at 2 o'clock, he's going to do a performance in Reith, a Recital Hall. So uh, please come to these events and for sure uh, come to see the show. It's very fine. Thank you very much. <laughs>